Good morning, everybody. I knew today was going to be a, a much lighter crowd. We got everything going on downstairs um, with Christmas musical and that service. So even Peter and Jean are down there because they're part of it. Uh, so that's where they are, as well as uh, a lot of our other regular attenders, which is which is a good sign for you know, this class, because most of the time when there's something going on, when there's things to be done around the church, I see many of you intertwined in those things. And, and that's the service built in and the love that you have for what goes on with the church and the, um, the people that get served through those activities. And so it's a lot of what, what John was writing to uh, in Second John about walking in the love, you know, walking in love and the truth. Um, this, this is what you guys do, and y'all do it well. And so you're to be applauded as you walk in the truth. We're going to open up to Third John today. Third John's a, a bit of a, a different letter, uh, much in the vein of Philemon. And Titus is a personal letter written um, to an individual named Gaius about circumstances and situations that are going on um, in a particular church that Gaius is somehow tied to. He may not, he may probably is not in the actual church that the, the issue arises, but he's somehow connected. Maybe he's, he's got another church in a, in a town close that he, he has a house church there. He's a, definitely a, a faithful servant, uh, as we'll see in the text. And the way that, that John writes it, and, and the main point of Third John is, imitate good and not evil. And John gives us four examples, and three of those are good, and one of those are evil. And so we're going to treat them like a report card. It's end of the year, school year for colleges and, and um, elementary, high school, middle school. And it's time to, to get report cards. As this, We used to have them divided into six semesters. I think our third semester ended around Christmas. And so you would get that, that kind of half of the year, how's it been going, report card. And this is, this is what John says. How are these guys doing with the three tests, the doctrinal test? the moral test, and the relational test. And, but let me, let me share it to you in the way that, that the life of this first century church is actually happening. So we get a snapshot here, what's actually going on in the first century uh, with the church. So let's read Third John together. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are who testified to your love before the church. You do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, 
accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. And from the truth itself, we also add our testimony. And you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. As I said, the main point of 3 John is to imitate good and not evil. So let's look at these four individuals that get mentioned here in 3 John. The first one is our friend Gaius. And we read about Gaius in verses 2 through 5. The first commendation that John gives Gaius is that he is walking in the truth. John says, For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. So John had sent out evangelists. He had sent out itinerant preachers. For at that time, many of the congregations would have not had their own pastor, their own elders established. Because remember, the church is brand new. This, many of these congregations could have been 10, 20 years old at best. And so the, the, first, con, you know, the first converts would have just barely been 10 years in, in Christ. And so you would have, you would have seen uh, the leaders of the church be very young Christians. And so John would send out more seasoned Christians, probably from the Ephesus area, of a church that's been established a longer period of time. And these would have been missionaries, a lot along the vein of Paul on his journeys, um, but for not as, not as apostolic uh, missionaries, but as missionaries that would go around and, and travel from church to church and share the good news of Jesus Christ, encourage the church, build them up as best they could. And when they went there, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a holiday inn. It wasn't, you know, a place that you can just plop down a credit card and, and have a night to stay. Uh, there were inns, right? Because Mary and Joseph not, went around knocking um, in Bethlehem and, and couldn't find anything. But those were very uh, run-down places and not, not well taken care of. So they would depend upon the kindness of other believers to house them, to feed them, you know, to protect them when they would go from city to city. And Gaius was one of the people they knew that they could count on. And so some of these missionaries make a journey, but come back to John. And they're, they're telling the story of how the journey went. And what they can't stop talking about is Gaius and his love and how he cared. He brought them in, met their needs. And so John says, I remember Gaius. And then somehow they, they also went to probably uh, Diotrephes' house. And Diotrephes says, no, thank you. Go away. You can't stay here. In fact, you can't even talk to any people here at the church that meets here. 
and he, he sends them away. And so they tell, they tell John. And so John says, okay, I need to write something. I know that Gaius is close. So let me write a letter to Gaius and commending him for his good and Diotrephes for his evil. And then we'll get to Demetrius in a minute. Um, so the first point is that, that Gaius has been walking in the truth. We know that First and Second John, uh, they, have a, they put a big emphasis on walking in the truth. And John has uh, much love, right? Just like he, he commended the church in Second John, you know, that he was extremely joyful. He's extremely joyful that Gaius has been walking in the truth. John's second commendation for Gaius, that he's been acting faithfully. Verses 5 and 6 says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are who testified to your love before John's church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For Gaius, his faithful acts included partnering in the gospel. And it affected every part of his life. Whatever Gaius's occupation was, he used that money in effective ways to, to be hospitable and to house these missionaries as they would go, come and go. From his house, he demonstrated this by valuing the Great Commission and living a life as a Holy Spirit-led adventure. So, the first thing that he did is is valuing the Great Commission. He knew that going and sending are vital aspects of the Great Commission. Right? That that yes, missionaries are needed, but missionaries need um, support. They need a um, a church to send them out. They do not need to worry about their finances. They do not need to, to be concerned um, with, can I, can I make my bills meet? They need to be supported. And Gaius knew that. And he said, when you come to my house, it's taken care of. You know, even, if it, even if it costs me, and I can't do some things that I'd like to do, it's worth it. I want to partner with the gospel. I want to, I want to do what God has commended and, and encouraged and given me the opportunity to do. The second, uh, I'm sorry. All right, let, let me, uh, I'm really trying to evaluate time because I have a lot to, to say, but I think this is important. So let me stick it in here. And if I have to drop some, we'll drop the, the last part and maybe I can email that out uh, afterwards. All right, so everyone get really, really comfortable and, and go ahead and Stick out your feet, because I'm going to step on some toes now, all right? Um, each one of us are living in America, right? And that means that each of us has bought into this Western culture, and it's, it's ingrained in us. We have this individualistic mindset that our first priority is to protect us and to take care of us, um, I was reading a, an article about greed and money, and it's just talking about how you, know, you, you move into a neighborhood or, or the social bracket, and you're not going to compare yourselves to those that have a lower social bracket. You're just going to compare yourselves to those in your social bracket. So I don't have as much as him. I'm, I'm not there, so I'm not, I'm not living a greedy lifestyle. Of course, I don't, I don't live lavishly like that, as opposed to comparing yourself to the rest of the world. We compare our lifestyles to the rest of the world. We're living pretty lavish lifestyles. 
even, even the least of us. Um, and and we, need to, we need to allow God to move in, in and out of our money, right? God gives us work. He gives us um, money for a reason. And it's, it's not so we can, all right, here's 10% God, and, and you can you have that, that's yours, that's all that I'm required to do. But God gives us money so that we can sow it into the community that we're planted in. And, and it's, it's all meant to, to be invested in other people and, and to have the, the means of our lives be um, for the gospel. And the gospel changes everything. It, it affects our checkbooks. Um, so, you know, our attitude is not, you know, what do I have to give, but where else can I give? Where else can I invest? Can I open my home? Is there, is there other ways um, that I can be giving and, and serving and supporting people um, on a regular basis? This is, this is a, a vital um, gospel-proclaiming element that the American church has been veering away from. Hospitality is um, it's a way that the gospel is promoted loudly. When the world sees that, that we are opening our homes and our lives and our money to not buy uh, the camp and not buy the, the extra things, but, but saving that so that in case someone comes along that is in need or, or in case we, we learn of a, a missionary outpost that, that needs this or that. Uh, we've had several you know, opportunities. You know, we, it's the reason why we as a church give to Sovereign Grace. And part of that giving is directly to their missions fund. That they can support and build up churches around the world. Right? It's the a, it's a reason why many of us give to, to Rancho Trio. And we as a church do as well. Right? So they can cultivate and, and plant that money into that, that neighborhood in Mexico. And reap a harvest of changed lives. Of orphans who will grow up into a testimony of the gospel. And, and they will start to go out from there. That that will be a launching pad of the gospel in Mexico. Right? It's the reason why we support the O's in, in South Asia. Um, ben sent me this update this week. And I'm going to read it to you because it was very encouraging for me. He said, last Sunday I had the opportunity to ride on the back of a motorcycle. He also sent me a video of that part of that ride. Which I was like, man, that road is really, really narrow. Part on riding a motorcycle through mountain roads to gather with a village house church. The young pastor I was riding with risks arrest and prison time every time he gets on his bike and ventures into a village with the gospel. When we arrived, I met believers from remote villages who climbed a mountain to sit on the dirt floor together to worship. Each one of these brothers and sisters faced persecution in their community, abandonment in their family, and hard labor in their daily lives. I sat on the floor with them and listened to the pastor and these families singing at the top of their voices and praying fervently and engaging intently with the word. The most noticeable things about the room full of people was their simple, joyful affection for Christ and each other. As I think back about that little house church, which is eagerly gathering again this morning, despite all the risks and hardships, I cannot escape one truth. 
Embracing the cost of following Jesus produces joy in the act of following Jesus. And he prays, God help me to embrace the cost like these brothers and sisters so I can experience the joy as they do. What a testimony. Right? You, can, you can see Third John in that little story that Ben gave us. Many of them had small little house churches. And and doesn't mean that they were you know, overly wealthy and they could just house people. It just meant they used what they had. And that's, that's part of the encouragement that we get from Gaius. That we are to be using what we have. And whether that's, that's a fellowship time after church or um, our covenant groups. Use what you got. You know, encourage people. Draw near. Um, if you have opportunities to feed people, feed them. Because food is just a wonderful gathering element that will produce opportunities right, to share. Neighbors, invite them into it. One of the, the most recent and um, well-resounding examples that we've heard about in America is a lady called Rosario Butterfield. If you have not had opportunity to read some of her testimonies and her works. Write the name down. And, and it's Rosaria. Rosaria. I'm saying it right, Ellen. Rosaria Butterfield. I think that's correct. I will Google it and send it out later if I need to. <laughs> Email it around. But uh, I know she's had several articles about how she opens her home daily. Every evening, starting about 4.30... Their house transitions from school and homework time um, to prepping for the evening meal. And in that, in that openness, she invites people, singles, others, just want to come and gather. And she invites her unsaved neighbors to these gatherings as well. And they'll share a meal and they'll do a family devotion. And oftentimes that turns into a, a time of, of ministry. Every night she opens her doors. That's pretty stirring. That's pretty encouraging. Um, what would it look like across you know, the greater New Orleans area if, if we had you know, 20 pockets of people doing that, just opening their houses? So we're coming this coming year. It's one of our goals as a family, and we're going to try it. We're going to try to uh, Sunday afternoons after church, we're going to try to open our house and we're going to see how it goes <laughs> um, on a regular basis. And we want to invite people and have people over um, and just be an opportunity to gather around food and fellowship and the gospel and evangelism and doing these things together as a family. And we're going to invite our neighbors. We've got an elderly lady on one side and, and a, a young couple on the other. Uh, he does a lot of traveling for work. Um, but his wife is there all the time. I don't know. Maybe God will use it as another opportunity of, for the gospel into their lives. And then radiate out from there to our other neighbors and invite them. I know they're going to notice. They already had. We were doing a, a once a month prayer meeting for the O's before they left. And people noticed the cars in the neighborhood. And they would see it. Uh, the immediate neighbor, the elderly lady would ask, you know, what's going on? So she never came over, but we keep inviting and maybe for just a, a dinner setting, she'd be more willing to. So we're going to try. And we're going to go that route and see, see what we can do.
The second point of of John's encouragement for Gaius is that he was following the truth. He was consistently led by the Spirit in truth. Gaius, no matter who came across his path, um, even though, I loved how John wrote that, even though they were strangers, this is what you poured your life out for. Um, Even though they were strangers. In other words, when you come across a stranger, when there's someone new that comes to church, the goal is not for them to be uh, a one-time introduce yourself. But the goal is to turn strangers into friends, to turn friends into family. And that's the, that's the outworking of the gospel in our lives on a weekly basis around here. We want everyone who comes to, to become a friend and become family with us in Christ. That, that's growing together for the glory of God. Right? So be intentional today. There's going to be a lot of guests here. Uh, meet people. Encourage them. They're going to be family members of, of people that are on the stage or just coming uh, to hear a Christmas pageant. Be intentional. And look for, look for them. And, and extend yourself. Maybe opportunities. Spirit leads you. Hey, y'all go have lunch with them. Or invite them to your house. Whatever lunch you're having. You know, it's, um, Rosaria often says, Sometimes we get an influx of people and have to send somebody, whoever's got the, I think she put it, whoever's got the last car in the driveway, sends them to the, the store to get extra hot dogs. You know, just, and, and that's it. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be filet mignon that you're serving. You know, there are, there are plenty of um, affordable meals. You know, serve gumbo. It's, it's, it's pretty affordable and it goes a long way. You know, you can make a lot of it. So, so, be spirit-led and, and use your money in the example of Gaius' life. John's last commendation of Gaius was his submission to authority. In verse 12, he mentions Demetrius, and Demetrius has a good, received a good testimony. In the end of it, he says, We also add our testimony, and you know, right, Gaius, you know that our testimony is true. So one, John's saying, you're, you're going to accept my testimony. You're submitted to authority and you're going to obey. I know that. I trust that because you love Christ and because you have received us as from Christ, you're going to receive this testimony. So how did Gaius do? What's his report card look like? Number one, he believes the truth. He passes the doctrinal test. Number two, he walks According to the truth in love, he passes the moral test. And thirdly, he spends his life loving even strangers on a regular basis. He passes the relational test. Gaius is meant to be one of the lives we should imitate. Now on to our next figure, Diotrephes. Verse 9 says, I have written something to the church. But Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of church. Six things that Diotrephes is is doing here. We'll take them one at a time. Number one, the first thing is that Diotrephes loves to be first. What a destructive cancer pride is. 
especially in the church, pride will tear a church apart. But what a healing balm that humility is and, and servant-led humility, right? Christ himself tells us, right? The first should be last. Those that humble themselves, those that are last, shall be first. I often wonder if I'll see Kevin McGarry in heaven. Not because I have any doubts whether we'll be there. We'll both be there. just don't know if I ever get that close to the throne to see him. The man serves. Loves Christ in his service. He's going to be close. Right? We'll all, we'll all be there and it'll be wonderful and joyful with Jesus. But his stack of crowns... It's going to be something to rejoice over and celebrate it in. That's a, that's a life I'd love to sit there and, and watch replay right, the movie of Kevin's life as he served and loved Christ in so many ways. Many others, many others, as I said at the beginning, you guys love to serve and you give well um, in the midst of the church and the opportunities that you have. So please continue on. Number two, diatrophies is unsubmissive. Right, John wrote, but Diotrephes wouldn't even receive it. He doesn't acknowledge it, John's authority, which to me begs the question. Okay, Diotrephes, um, you obviously have a Greek name, so unless you were um, there in Jerusalem during the time of Christ, which is unlikely uh, for him, not that it couldn't have happened, but most probably he wasn't there. You believed some part of the truth that somebody told you. You know, maybe it was Paul coming around the area of Ephesus in this area or another missionary. So you have accepted somebody's truth that you are now hosting a house church. But you've taken one small part of the truth and you've run with it, right? It's as if... Um, John, in writing 1 John, would have stopped with all the comments about uh, the Antichrist. Oh, we've got to guard ourselves from the Antichrist, kick him out of the church. And it sounds like Diotrephes is saying, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a wall around this church and not anyone gets in. That's how I'm going to preserve the purity of this church. I don't care who they are. They're strangers, they're not coming in. Right? It's me and mine. And he wouldn't even receive John's authority um, and it is destroying his church. Number three, Diotrephes is slanderous. John says that Diotrephes was talking wicked nonsense against them. It's amazing what pride and arrogance does in our minds as we build ourselves up. And in order to, to build yourself up, you've actually got to tell yourself some lies. And not only tell them, but you got to believe them, right? You are not, because the issue of, of integrity and the issue of humility is that you're honest about what's going on, about who you really are, right? Humility is just, this is who I am. Uh, I stand before you as, as a man who is a, who is a sinner saved by grace and um, I walk by grace on a daily basis, even when I sin. Um, and I, I seek to repent those things. I don't think that, that I have everything figured out. And, and I, I try to walk honestly. And Diotrephes, in his pride and liking to be first all the time, 
He can't walk like that. He can't walk honestly with the gospel and with the word of God and, and the Holy Spirit. He has to close those things off too, right? Not only does he close his house church, he has to close his heart to the real gospel. And so that piece of the gospel that he's trying to say that he has, um, it's, it's not taking root. It is one seed that the birds of the air came and stole away. And it didn't fall on good ground. It fell on hard ground. So John says that, that he is slanderous. Isaiah 5, verses 20 and 21 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Be careful what you think about yourself. The way that you evaluate yourself, right? Because, as we know, pride comes before the fall. If we think we got it, think we got it all figured out, and we don't need others in our lives, we don't need fellowship, we don't need to open our, our homes, we don't need our bank accounts to be questioned, we don't need these things. Be careful. Humility promotes and, and, and seeks for others to walk with us and, and dive into our junk and our mess together because they have junk and they have messes in their lives. And God, knowing this, didn't hesitate to send his own son to step down into this mess. Each one of these lives that are very messy. But he wanted to and he loved to and he rejoiced to. Number four, Diotrephes is inhospitable. He says, not only does he slander us, and he's not content with slandering us, he refuses to welcome the brothers, the faithful servants that John has sent out, the missionaries. He won't even, he won't even take them in. He won't listen to them, the message. And most probably, it's because it's gonna, he knows who it's going to convict first. And what the big changes he has to make. So like I said, in order for the pride to, to remain and stay in place, it has to maintain those walls. So he can't even be hospitable. He can't even host um, the brothers as they come. Number five, he is authoritarian. He uses his position and most probably he hosted a house church. If not being the, the elder of that house church. Um, he, but he uses his position in leadership. Um, and he is abusing that position. We, we know that we have um, men that serve us well in leadership. Um, but we also know that they are men that serve us well in leadership. And we need to watch over their lives as well. We need to pray over their lives so that all may go well with them as much as they are, as Hebrews 13 tells us, watching over and caring for our lives, that they may do that with joy. Um, we need to be reciprocating that in our prayers, in our encouragement of them, right? in our faithfulness of walking in the truth, right? We want for the elders of our church to be as joyful when thinking about us as John was about Gaius, as John was about about the elect lady, the, the church that he wrote to in Second John. 
That's, that's the, what we want for them, is our gift to them, is that we would make their job a joy. And the last thing that Diotrephes is doing is he's oppressive. Not only does he stop the missionaries from coming in, right? No, he's not content to slander. But anybody who wants, right, wants to welcome, not even they didn't do it, they want to welcome in one of these ministries, missionaries. He puts them out of the church. That is serious oppression. That is abuse that must be brought to attention. But John knows that, um, that Gaius may not be in a position to do that himself, um, even to encourage the, the people under Diotrephes' rule. So, so John says later on, I'm gonna, I will handle that. I'll take care of that. Let me come take care of that. So this is Diotrephes' report card. How did he do? He rejects sound doctrine. So he failed the doctrinal test. He resists to act according to truth. He fails the moral test. And he refuses to love others. So he failed the relational test too. Diotrephes Diotrephes is not a life we should imitate. Now on to Demetrius. Verses 11 and 12 say, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil... It's not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony. And you know that our testimony is true. John inserts a, a little, which is the main point, a little um, instruction here for the church and for Gaius to imitate good and not evil. He does a stark pivot in his writing from the life of Diotrephes to the life of Demetrius, right? And tells you, do not imitate evil, but imitate good um, in his writing. So Gaius, imitate Demetrius, but don't imitate Diotrephes. And as a reader of the letter, you know, we've read how Gaius lives, and he is an imitatable person, and, and Diotrephes is a non-imitatable person. I guess I just made that word up. Um, so then John mentions Demetrius, and here's what he says. He says three things about Demetrius. He's received a good testimony from everyone. In other words, whoever comes across Demetrius. Um, Miguel Ferreira is a lot like this. He's not in here, so I'm going to say it. Um, when you come across Miguel Ferreira, you get a good testimony walking away from that man. Billy Ray's, some of you know him, uh, have experienced his life. Um, when you walk away from meeting Billy Ray's, you know You've met someone who is fall, who's fallen head over heels for Jesus. And he loves you because he loves Jesus. And Miguel's a lot like that as well. So he gets a good testimony from everyone. Secondly, John writes this, which is a little curious. He says he gets a good testimony from the truth. And what do you mean he gets a good testimony from the truth? He means this. For Demetrius... His life so lines up with the truth that the truth testifies to Demetrius' life. You read the, the testimony about what's good in the Bible, you see Demetrius. You see Kevin McGarry. And you see these lives of people that just jump out off the page. In other words, Demetrius was so full of integrity that 
He was aligned with the word. And the last one that John says is he lastly receives my stamp of approval. And he knows that Gaius is going to accept his own stamp of approval. Because Gaius is like Demetrius in submission. So that's Demetrius' report card. He is approved by the truth. So he passes the doctrinal test. He is approved by everyone. So he passes the moral test, including John. And he is approved by everyone. He loves them. And he cares for them. And he, is approved. he passes the relational test. So our fourth figure... And their report card in here is John himself. John's report card reads like this. Right? And, and he's, he, first of all, John cares. His, his love, his, his recitation of beloved and my dear one, as he writes to Gaius. And, and he continues to encourage Gaius in these things. The same way he did uh, in Second John, with the elect lady, my, my, my beloved elect lady. And, and the the children that I love in your church. Uh, John cares so much for these people. You can see that, that he longs to be with them, even in his concluding remarks, right? He's like, I'm not content to just write you a letter. There's so many things I want to tell you, but I'd rather tell you face to face. I know that, that face to face is the way that I'll, I want to communicate. So John's joy and his, his care and, and communication comes across first of all. The next point is that John sends out. He is, he is excited to partner with the gospel and he sends out missionaries, right? He sends out the brothers to go to the house churches, encourage them to preach, to share the gospel with those that they come across. So much so that he's encouraged them not to take money from the Gentiles, right? He doesn't, he doesn't want them to set up shop and try to, try to become the next Socrates or Plato, right? And, and, and have the rich people come back them like they, many of the Greeks would do in that day. So no, they, they won't even take money from the Gentiles. So you, they need to be supported in the church. But John is sending them out with this heart attitude. The next way that John is reported of is that he's willing to confront evil and to correct. Do you read what, what John said about Diotrephes? He encourages um, Gaius. He says, when I come, I'm going to tell what he's doing. You ever heard that before? Matthew 18, and the correction of, a, of someone in the church. First you go face to face. If they don't hear you, you go with somebody else. If that doesn't work, you go with the elders or an elder in the church. And if that doesn't work, you tell it to the church, as Matthew 18 says. So John says, I love the church. I love y'all so much. What Diotrephes is doing, when I come, I will tell it to the church. I will bring gospel correction with the hope that Diotrephes gets saved. That's always the hope in Matthew 18, that you will win your brother back. But John knows that he's going to have to be stern and severe here. And then lastly, as I said before, that it's worth repeating, John says... I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We will talk face to face. Peace be with you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. So this is John's report card. John faithfully writes, preaches, and believes 
the truth, so he passes the doctrinal test. John acts according to the truth, so he passes the moral test. And John loves, loves, loves others, so he passes the relational test. So this is 3 John. It is a short, the shortest letter by, uh, work that we have in the Bible. Um, it's a short relational letter that focuses on encouraging us to imitate good and not evil. Next week and the following week, uh, we will not have uh, School of the Word. There will be services those two Sundays, uh, 10 o'clock downstairs. The, fa- the first um, Sunday, uh, which is the 5th, 8th, 8th, first is the first of two Sundays away, so that will make it the 8th. We'll have a fellowship breakfast uh, here. And then the 15th, we will start a new series um, for the new year. And all these things will also get emailed out to you, I'm sure. So thank you for being here. God bless you. Merry Christmas.